0: We last week began chapter 5 of Hebrews. We talked about our great high priest. We talked about comparing Aaron and the priesthood as a type and shadow of Christ who is our high priest. How the high priest beginning with Aaron would offer sacrifices first for himself and then for God's people because he was a sinner. And he had to offer sacrifice for himself before he could offer sacrifice for God's people. Teaching us that Christ is the sacrifice that did not have to offer for His sins. It took holy and righteous the Lamb of God to pay for our sins. If I died for you, You'd still be in your sins, and I would be dead. Christ without blame, holy, righteous son of God, as our high priest offered a sacrifice for us in the Holy of Holies, talked about the compassion since the high priest was a sinner, that he could knowing he had was a sinner himself. You pray for me. That he could relate to, have empathy, sympathize with God's children because they were sinners and he was also a sinner. Would realize he was a sinner and could not approach unto God. And he would have compassion upon them who were also sinners. Pointing to the compassion that Christ has for us. To the love that Christ has had from a realm of eternity for God's people Those He gave to the Son. Those He loves. Those He suffered to live in the sin and death until Christ came to this world to do what was described as His passion to lay His life down as the Lamb of God to pay for the sins of the children of God to bring us to God and enable us and cause us to worship God in spirit and truth. He did not take this honor upon himself. God placed it upon him. As Aaron was called of God to be the high priest, Christ was called of God. The man, Jesus Christ, was called of God to be our high priest. He would enter into the holy place once. Once made without hands. One forever Sacrifice for the sins of the children of God. The high priest would die. There would be another priest from the lineage of the sons of Aaron who would take his place. Christ died and raised himself back up. Therefore, his priesthood, which is perfect, he called him our great high priest, is everlasting. It's forever, it never ends, it never stops. I think we closed with this verse last week, or pretty close to it, so also Christ glorified not Himself to be made an high priest. First of all, we've made mention that Christ is the brightness, express image of God, the brightness of His glory. He does not need glorifying. He is the glory of God. But God glorified Him as the Son of God, as the Son of Man, as the Lamb of God, he both as Lord of Lord of King and Kings, but also as our high priest. God the Father. But He that said unto Him, Thou art My Son. Second Psalm verse 7. The day He came forth from the dead. Thou art My Son. This day have I begotten that He is begotten from the death. We were dead in sins. He's the first without sin. First begotten from the dead. Since He came forth from sin, He brings us to life as He came to life. He's the first begotten from the dead. There were others that died before Him that God raised up, certainly so, but the difference here is that Christ raised Himself up and therefore He is the first begotten from the dead. Today have I begotten Thee. And this is where we'll start today if you'll pray for us. As He he saith also in another place, and this is referring to the 110th Psalm again, Paul is not telling them in a certain place or in another place because he did not know where it was. This was the term the Jews would use because they were brought up in the law and the prophets. They attended the services on the Saturday Sabbath. They heard the Word of God taught as it was in the law of service. They knew exactly where he was talking about. And he saith also in another place, thou art a priest because he's our high priest. He's our great high priest. That's what he's been talking about. From the the picture of Aaron that we saw last week, the great high priest, and the garments he wore and the work that he was to do, all pointing to the work of Christ as he carries the children of God upon his shoulders, as he carries the children of God upon his heart, as he clothes them in righteousness. For his righteousness is imputed to us, speaking of Christ, and it shows us the beauty of his garments. It shows the blood, the bruises, the beating that He took. It shows the glory, the royalty, and the purple. Showing the royalty of the King. And that's imputed to us, for He's made us kings and priests unto God. He's our high priest, our great high priest. And here He's going another way with the priesthood. For we know that the priesthood was given to Aaron and his sons. That came from God through Moses. To Aaron and his sons was the priesthood given. It was a gift, remember? It was a gift to Aaron and his sons. It was a gift to the children of Israel because He would offer sacrifices for them. And it was a gift to God the Father because Christ would cleanse them, offering Himself as a sacrifice. It would make holy of that blame before God the Father and love His people. It was a gift. But here we see a change in the priesthood. As he saith also in another place, thou art priests priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Genesis 14. We can find Melchizedek. Very little said. As we go through these next chapters, we're going to talk about the Jews and what they taught and what was given to them. And we're going to talk about tradition and history and learn a little bit more about Melchizedek, which comes from Scripture. But if we turn to Genesis 14, we see Melchizedek mentioned, He did not come from the loins of Aaron, for this is before Aaron. This is before Moses. This is the time of Abraham. The man whom God called gave life and promised him a kingdom. The father of many nations. The father of the Gentiles. People want to lay everything on Israel. It's only Israel. I beg to differ. If you read Genesis 25 and you see the lineage of Abraham from Keturah, And from Sarah, you will find Gentiles mentioned there. You'll find in Isaiah the Magi and the wise men and those among the Gentiles that came unto Christ. They're mentioned as the lineage of Aaron for a reason. They were born from his loins. Certainly so. They came from Aaron. They were part of his family. But that's teaching us that Gentiles were children of God. That God had a people from before the foundation of the world. And I'm getting astray here, but I want to make this point. Because God has always had a people from among all people. Abraham is in one place and Lot another. We know that Lot is in Sodom. This is called the valley of the slaughter of the kings. These kings, I'm not going through all that because I don't want to stay on this text. I want to get back where we are, but I'm going to give you A brief history. They made war with the king of Sodom, and that is where Abraham's brother, Lot, is at. I pray for my brother every day because he's my brother. We're different people, that's why the Bible says brothers are for adversity. But he's my brother, he's my kin, he's my relation, and a brother is close. So I pray for him. That's a tie of nature. Abraham was no different. Lot is his brother. He yielded to Lot. You choose which way you will go, and I will take what's left. That there be no strife between us. Point being, and this king conquered. Sodom. And if you read this text in Genesis 14 and you think about human nature, because we're looking at our high priest. We're looking at the order of our high priest. It's not from Aaron alone. Aaron is a type. But this is even better when we think about it. When we pray about it. When we meditate about it. They conquered Sodom. The leaders of the people, Sodom being one of the nations, people captured, as things often happen, and we see this in the world today, when the battle became heated, when times became hard, they forsook their people. That was no different from the days when Christ was born. They would forsake the people, most times looking down upon them. There are those today that are called hirelings, wolves. Christ tells us in John chapter 10 that when trouble cometh, they'll flee. They will leave you alone. They will betray you. They will turn away from you. That's the nature of man. That's fear. But you see, this is pointing to our high priest, for he will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Their leaders forsook them, and Lot was captured. And if you begin reading in verse 13 of Genesis 14, you see there came one that had escaped and told Abram, he's not yet Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Adar. And these were confederate. They were friends with Abraham, but when and when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed and trained he, he armed his trained servants born in his own house. You remember the multitude of the house of Abram and Abraham, all the things that God blessed him with cattle of the hills and everything he had and all the people in his congregation or his family or his tribe, let's say it that way, and he trained them, they were armed for war, they were there to fight if need be, just like when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were called footmen, they were called soldiers, they had to fight We in the church today are soldiers. Our captain has gone before us into heaven and immortal glory. He is our great high priest. And we fight a battle, not with weapons of war, but with the sword of the Spirit as we live in this world of darkness and chaos that dwells around us, and again, our high priest will never leave us nor forsake us. Abraham took those servants. he trained up. And they're born in his own house. We train for war here. We learn how to walk in the way of Christ, that Christ be glorified. And he pursued them unto Dan. He divided himself against them. He and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hobart. Which is on the left hand of Damascus, and he brought back all the goods. For the enemy had taken spoils of war, that was common. They would take the gold, they would take the silver. They would take food, clothing, anything they could use as the spoils of war to bring back to their kingdom, they would take. And they also took captive. Now if you read history, and you see war is not a pretty thing. In that day, it was terrible. For men fought face to face with handmade weapons and butchered each other. And the people who were captured men, women, and children, were stripped absolutely naked to cause them to be ashamed before their captors as they were taken back to the land of their captor. Now I could tie that in if I had time with the man in Mark fourteen, fifteen that fled from Christ naked, fed from the men naked at the crucifixion because we're stripped naked of Satan. We have no covering for our sins. Just like Adam and Eve, we have no covering. But the same God that clothed them with the skins of animals is the same God that clothes us today. But Abraham recovered his brother and the goods and the women also and the people. God blessed Abraham. God richly blessed and Brethren, in Christ, God blesses us today. We live in a world of chaos where right is wrong and wrong is right. People rebel in wrong. They, uh, they, they, they revel in it. They love it. Just the nature of man. They'll tell you something that's good is evil and ridicule you for it and try to tear you down and corrupt our children. Telling them this is right when it's wrong. This is no different. Than it was in that day. Abraham delivered them, and he brought was bringing them back. And we come to Melchizedek, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of the kings. And Melchizedek, verse eighteen, king of Salem. Okay, he is the king of Salem. The name Salem means the peace of God. Okay? Now, He brought forth bread and wine. The name Jerusalem, Jeru means the foundation. So Jerusalem, and you remember David took the stronghold of Jerusalem. It's Mount Zion where the Lamb stands who was sacrificed for us in Revelation 14. Jerusalem, the foundation of God's peace. That was later. The law service was there. They worshipped there. Uh, The Jews reigned in the law and the sons of Aaron as the ministry, the Levites, because that's the way God designed it and deemed that it would be. And they tried to keep it that way. It was taken from them because of their sins and destroyed and God restored a portion of it, but they never came out of bondage. Listen, brethren. This is pointing to our high priest. This is pointing to Christ. Because as David took the stronghold of Jerusalem, where the enemy was occupying, Christ takes the stronghold of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the foundation of God's peace. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you love God, you are born of God, Christ is within you. Understand that. Don't fall for the lies of the world that you've got some work to do while you are at enmity with God. Christ is died to save you from your sins. Christ is the foundation of God's peace. Genesis 49 said, Shallow should come. Shallow. Christ, the peace of God. Jerusalem means the peace of God. The foundation of God's peace. And Christ is that foundation. He's the cornerstone of the city of God. And to stay with the text, He's the King of Salem. He's the king of peace. And I'll give you a little bit of this now, and I'll probably repeat some of it later as we go through chapter 7 and maybe even chapter 9. Because Paul was speaking to Jews. They knew about Melchizedek. They had a rich history with Melchizedek and teachings of Melchizedek and who they thought he was. Many people say, just as the Bible teaches plainly here, he was the king of Salem. And they will say that Salem was a city and He was the king over it. And i have that. I won't bother disputing that. Because the Bible plainly says it. Some people say He was Shem because He came forth from pre-flood and lived afterwards among God's people. Therefore, when the Scripture says in verse chapter 7, He has no beginning of days nor end of days, no mother, no father, no lineage, Think about that. They relay it back to Shem saying it could not be recorded historically. I beg to differ with that because if we read the first 10 chapters of Genesis, we see the history of Shem. It is recorded in Scripture. His mother, His father are recorded there. He was blessed of God for the purpose of God to survive the flood and help populate the world as it was and had been destroyed by the flood and was still alive that day. My thinking on this, and I'm not the only one, but I'm one of a very few who've ever tried to believe this or teach this, that I've heard. Charlie Tucker... Bethel was one. Mike Smith, Bethel, was another. I believe that Melchizedek was Christ pre-incarnate. He appeared with Adam in the garden and walked with Him as the pre-incarnate Son of God. No man has seen God at any time. No man can see God. We are sinners and God is holy and righteous. God is a Spirit. No man can see a Spirit. There's no way to know God except in Christ. And we plainly see that Christ walked with Adam. The living Word, the the eternal Son of God walked with Adam in the garden. That's the purpose of all things. That when this world of darkness is over, that God will have a people who will walk with him on the streets of gold and heaven and immortal glory. We cannot see God the Father. He's a spirit. There's no way to know God except through Christ. And we shall see Christ as he is. He sat with Abraham in Genesis 17, is it? 18? In the heat of the day, eighteen, the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and He the Lord sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. There is where Abram saw Him. Christ pre-incarnate. He is incarnate as the Son of God. He was made flesh and dwelt among us that we may behold His glory by faith at this moment, but one day very soon it will be by sight. Yesterday afternoon Daniel Wood preached upon joy cometh in the morning. He made such a beautiful explanation and point how sorrow appears in the night while we live in this world and the darkness and the things that befall us of mankind and devils and demons and all the things around us from the influence of Satan who seeks to devour us as a lion devours his prey. But when when the morning comes, one place it says the womb of the morning, the brightness of the day. At the first instant, it drives that darkness away. That's how it's always going to be. That comes at death, brethren. That comes when this body is laid down and we're free from all of this. Give God the praise. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He that eateth my body drinketh my blood, remember that, for I am the Word of life. Bread to signifying His body. Wine signifying His blood. Do this to the Lord come. Show the Lord's death to the Lord comes. That glorifies God. He brought forth bread and wine that's showing us a type of the priesthood. This is not a type of Christ. I believe this is the pre-incarnate Son of God and the type is of the priesthood. Paul says there's a change of the priesthood. He said you're, He's a priest. Christ forever. After the order of Melchizedek, the priesthood is the type. And He was the priest of the Most High God. He is our great high priest. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. This is before the law. This is before... It was commanded to give 10% under the law and we don't do that today. It's none of my business what you give. I don't care what you give. That's between you and the Lord. We're not here to make money. We're not a bank. God blesses us richly. We're here to praise God, love God, and love each other. He gave Him tithes of all. We'll get into that later on more too. And he saith also in another place, back to Hebrews 5 and 6, they were a the priest forever after the order. The priesthood is the type of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh... This is speaking of Christ. Okay. Christ is made incarnate. Christ bore the flesh As of man, being the likeness of sinful flesh, he came from the wounds of his mother who was a virgin made of flesh and blood just as all mankind are. She was a sinner just like everybody else, but it pleased God to choose her as a virgin. No man had corrupted her womb. She'd never been with a man. She conceived of the Holy Ghost. She brought forth that holy thing which is called the Son of God who in the days of His flesh Christ bore flesh to suffer and bleed and die to save us from our sins. That flesh was laid down paying our sin debt. That blood was poured out to pay our sin debt. He raised His life back up again. He raised His flesh up again. He Came forth from the grave after judging death, 40 days, time of judgment, walked upon the face of the earth, revealing himself. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of Jesus Christ, that men might know God. And in that flesh, he ascended right to the right hand of the majesty. On high. He sits at the right hand of the Father in that flesh. He bears that flesh today. Matthew 25, 30, 31, when the Son of Man appears in His glory. The Son of Man in that flesh. My point is that He still bears that flesh. He saved our flesh. He raised our flesh up. We shall be with Him in our flesh, body, soul, reunited with Christ above, never to suffer again. Each and every one the Father gave Him. Each and every one He died for. Not one more, not one less. We can't add two. We cannot take away. This is speaking not... It's not saying that Christ is not in flesh anymore for He bears the body He died in for He raised it up from death. He's in that body. It's the right hand of the majesty on high. And someday we'll see Him in that body in glory. What He's talking about, who in the days of His flesh is talking about the time the Lord was made flesh and walked in this world and suffered the afflictions of all that we bear in this world. No, Christ did not sin. He had no inherited sin. He committed no sin. But as we've already talked about, A week or so ago, He faced every temptation that faces us in that body. Everything that we experience in this body, He experienced in His body yet without sin that He could secure us in time of temptation. In the days of His flesh, when He suffered in this world, who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplications, the Son of Man prayed. The Son of Man prayed. Prayed for Peter. Let Satan sit him his wheat. There's one place. We see him praying in the garden before he was delivered into the hands of sinful men, before he was betrayed, before he was taken into Jerusalem and ridiculed and reviled and smitten, crowned thorns upon his head. And that will take you right back to the crown that that... Ram was stuck in in Genesis 22 when God provided a sacrifice. All the things he suffered. He prayed to God. Father, if it be willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but Thine be done. He prayed as a man that God would Keep him in that body to do the will of God in his death, burial, and resurrection. Who, in the days of his flesh, when he'd offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and Tears unto Him that was able to save Him from death. We see Him crying out upon the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the last thing He cried out, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. It is finished. That work was complete. When He offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto Him the Father, That was able to save him from death. Did God save him from death? No. He came into the world to suffer and bleed and die. That was his passion. That was the covenant from before the world. How did God save him from death? The natural mind cannot understand this. Well, he died. Don't tell me about Jesus. Somebody killed him. They hung him on a cross. He saved him from death by giving him the power to raise it up again and die no more. And he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. God saved him from death. And he was heard in that he feared. How did he fear? A reverential fear to the Father. Nevertheless, nonetheless, not my will but thine be done. When you mature as a Christian, brother, you're going to come to that realization. Not my will, Father, but Thine be done. The providence of God in this life. I've told you many times, only two ways things happen in this world. They're either ordained of God or they're suffered of God. God permits them to happen. In either way, that is the will of God. Though He were a son, yet learned He obedience by the things which He suffered at the hands of men, the hands of His own people, and the hands of Satan. Tempted of Satan 40 days in the wilderness. And being made perfect, Christ is perfect. God is perfect. There's no flaw. There's no sin. He's speaking of being made perfect as the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God in this world. He's the Son of God. And He's the Son of Man. And being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation. He gave you eternal life. I am the way and the truth and the life. When God quickens you, when you are dead and trespassing sins, whether it's in the womb by your very nature, or whether it's at 110 years old, whether it's like a thief on the cross, whenever it is, when God Quickens you, then you are in possession of eternal life. You haven't attained to being there yet. The body would be laid in the ground. Very probably most are. Because of sin, but you are in possession of that life when God quickens you. He became the author of eternal salvation. It's from Him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Unto all, all, three-letter word, entails so many people they can't be numbered, all of them that obey Him, all that God gave Him. Now wait a minute, that says all that obey Him. Why do you obey God? Why do you seek after God? Why do you love God? Because God gives you life. God reveals Himself unto you. God works a work in you and causes you to see Him, to love Him, to seek after Him. And as we grow and mature in Christ, to desire to please Him and and serve Him and walk in such a way where we can... Say with the gladness of a heart, Lord, thy will be done in all things. God gives you that obedience. He was called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Without mother, without father, there's the pre incarnate Christ. Without beginning of days, without end of days. There's the pre-incarnate Christ. After the order of Melchizedek, His priesthood is forever. His priesthood never stops. He does not have to offer sacrifice for us over and over year after year. He offered one sacrifice and forever because he lives forever. He has an everlasting priesthood. After the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered seeing you're dull of hearing. Let me finish this out today. Lord willing. Of whom we have many things to say. A lot. Paul being a Jew to these Jews, being versed in the teaching of the Jews understanding that the oracles of God were given to the Jews. Understanding the truth of God was given to the Jews, types and shadows. It was not mixed with faith, but then they heard it. We have many things to say and hard to be uttered. He's talking about Christ now. Seeing ye are dull of hearing... How do we get dull of hearing? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, And I, brethren, verse 1, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither were you able. Now let me make a statement here. Milk is nourishing. Milk is good. Milk gives strength. But in this Tense, Paul is saying, I cannot feed you with the deep things of God because you're yet carnal. You are still yet in your flesh. I fed you with milk. You can't digest meat. You're not able to hear it. You're not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able or you are yet carnal. Brethren, Satan seeks to devour us as a lion seeks after his prey. Surely we picked up, going through the book of Revelation, the deception of Satan. Surely we picked up on the lies of doctrine that men teach in the world. You have absolutely nothing to do with being a child of God You had no choice. It's not of your work. It's not of your mind. It's not of your purpose. You were at enmity with God and Christ came to the world to save His people. All the Father gave Him from their sins. You can't understand that. Your mind is dull of hearing. Oh, there are things we do as we walk in life that would turn us away, Satan lures us with things, the name of Satan, Lucifer, bright, shining, things that would catch your eye and lead you astray. And walking contrary to the way of God, especially willfully, you're not going to mature. God's not going to cast you away, for He'll cast none of God's elect away. But we suffer. Of whom many things hard to say from the time came, you're dull of hearing, he said. Let me back up there. This is speaking as he's talking to the Jews, well versed in the law of doctrine. You are not justified by the law. I'll leave that alone for now. You're dull of hearing. Remember when we began this text in Hebrews. Paul speaking to born again Jewish people who were born of the Spirit of God, that God had quickened, that God had gave life, and they were being tempted by those of Judea. This is pre-A.D. 70. They're being tempted of the Pharisees, Pharisees and Sadducees to come back to the law service. Or to put a little law and grace. Law and grace do not mix at all. Grace, grace, more grace. The time when the time came, you ought to be teachers. This was the time. Remember when Jesus beheld the city and wept over it? If thou had known the things which belonged unto thy peace, let's go back to Isaiah. Whom shall I send? Send me! When he saw the Lord high and lifted up, his train filled the temple, and the creatures of God declaring, Holy, 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 the God of hosts, the Lord God in heaven. Send me! Make these people's ears dull and their eyes they cannot see. Some of them were blinded by the judicial purpose of God because they had sinned against God, they had taken the true doctrine of God which is revealed in the law and corrupted it. They were blind. Many were not God's people at all. And then there's the lost sheep of the house of Israel that God did bring into the kingdom. They ought to be teachers. You ought to be teaching this law. But you're still carnal. You're still in your sins. You're still in your flesh. You have need that one teach you again. You see again the second time. First of all, it was already given to you in the law. But it was not mixed with faith. Now God has given you grace. God has quickened you, or you would not be here trying to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are those who corrupt that word. So you've got to be taught again. You've got to be told again. What are the first oracles of God? Christ. Nothing but Christ, the King, Christ, the High Priest. Nothing but His death, burial, and resurrection, the death of the Son of God, the Creator of heaven and earth. You've got to be taught again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk, little baby, and not strong meat. And there's nothing wrong with milk for a child. But as we grow, the child needs stronger food. He's talking about the deep things of God. He's talking about understanding the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. He's talking about understanding the purpose of God, the providence of God in our lives. The surety of the sure mercies of David and Christ and the sure, the assurance. Tell me we don't have assurance. John said, I write unto you that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that ye may know to have eternal life. The deep things of God. Creation. The deep things of God. For everyone that useth milk. Here's proof of what He's talking about. He is unskillful in the Word of righteousness. God gives to each man He calls, I say man, I mean mankind at this point, a gift. We have the gift of fathers to teach children. We have the precious gift of mothers to teach children A woman ain't supposed to teach. Let the women teach the children at home. That's what the Scripture says. You think they don't teach them about the Lord at home? You're mistaken. They should. They should also teach them about life and things, and so should the Father. But my point is the gift of the Father and the gift of the woman. The mother. The wife. The one that is one in intimacy, body, and soul with her husband. The twain shall be one flesh, came from the body of man and the unity of a scriptural marriage, which Satan has brought and attacked for hundred years or more in this country. The foundation of all things, that's the first institution God created, and Satan attacks it daily. Every gift that God gives. The gift of a child. Let's come into the kingdom. Let's come into the church. The gift of singing. Some of you I listen to, you have such pretty voices. The gift of prayer. Women don't preach in church. It's not scripture. Don't pray in church publicly. Let me say it that way. I know you pray because I feel it. in the way God ordained. But that's a gift of silent prayer. That's a gift of public prayer. That's a gift of exhortation, a gift of preaching, a gift of service. Every good and perfect gift which came down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. The gifts that we have from God. And the gift of the ministry, God gives each man, if a man desire the office of a bishop, one time in history that I can recall offhand, we have a woman leading Israel. That was Deborah. The primary purpose of that was when Deborah took command and controlled and I do believe murdered a man that they could say that nation fell to a woman of Israel. As shame to that King And that nation, because they look down on a woman as many in that Islamic teaching does today. Scripture liberates a woman. You're equal with a man. God made you from the body of the man. And the gifts that we have, mother and father, and I'm getting off course here, but I'm talking about our high priest. When you, and it makes sense because we've been led away with all this stuff and when we've fallen to all this stuff, we've been carried away in all these vain words taught in the world, we're unskillful. And the word of righteousness. A man that preaches the Gospel is called of God. God blesses him. God touches him. Each man is different. Yesterday... Got to listen to Brother Daniel Wood. I love him to death and have since I met him. He's like me, but he's younger and he's even more vigorous and loud. And I swear he'd stand and talk 30 minutes and never take breath. And the man that followed him was like Brother J.L. Hopper used to be. And J.L. was a schoolteacher. Like Sister Beverly. He'd stand here and talk to you. And sometimes if I didn't get close enough with my bad ears, I had to really strain to listen to Him. But He taught the Scripture so very well. Each man's different. Each gift is different. This is talking about being unskillful in the Word of righteousness. Paul is telling these Jews, you're carnal. There's division. There's schism among you. Therefore, you must be filled with milk and not meat. You're not maturing as an adult is to do as we grow. I remember seeing some of the most godly men I've ever known in my life. I did not deserve to lean down and kiss their feet. Garland Justice being one of them. Meek. Never raising his voice, never showing anger, always with a godly answer and that godly wife that I I think is still alive that was with him since the O. Garlands in heaven. Never showing anger, never seemed matured. He knew everything was in God's hand. He didn't worry about anything. He didn't go astray that one could visibly see. We're all sinners. We're all attacked. We all have lust and angers and emotions. Paul is making this point that everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. i got four minutes. Tribulation, tribulation worketh experience, experience hope. Hope maketh not ashamed. You grow. You become experienced. A police fund in Birmingham in five years has more experience than a county deputy gets in 20. These small towns like Leeds and Moody, they'll work their lifetime and never have the experience of a police officer who's been in Birmingham. Because you are in the pit of it. Every call, every corner you turn, every mile you drive, every step you take, every one you talk to. You become experienced. You don't shoot people just to shoot them, even though you could, because by the law you could. Twenty-five years, the only thing I ever killed was a dog who tried to bite an old woman. And then tried to bite me and that was his downfall. But my point is we mature we grow, we're tempered like a piece of steel. We bend but we don't break. Strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. Have matured as Christians, even by reason of use. Of use. Now let's look at this spiritually. By reason of use have ex- have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Not just walking in this world. And by the grace of God, knowing that is evil, avoid it. Knowing that is evil, avoid it. Knowing that is evil, avoid it. Let me press straight forward to the Kingdom of God. Let's talk about spiritual things. Discerning between good and evil. Discerning between the truth of Christ and him crucified. God chose you. God gave you to him. Christ agreed to it. It's sealed by the Spirit of God. Christ at the time ordained of God came into this world, suffered, bled, and died. Raised, died your death. Raised up again. Sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high. He loves you. He quickens you. You had absolutely nothing to do with it. You've got no choice. You've got no work in it. You are alone bankrupt, morally dead in sin. It's all of Christ. And anything different, let's lay the cards on the table and be blunt. Anything different is evil. It's blasphemy against the God of heaven. Rightly divide the Word of Truth. Paul is talking to these Jews who have been brought up under the law, and telling them very plainly, it's all about our High Priest, our everlasting High Priest, Christ Jesus. Lord willing, we'll start chapter 6 next week.